Hello and welcome back to the Soccer Brothers Podcast. This is episode number nine. I'm your host, Soccer Tar, and as always, I'm joined by my brother, Nihal. How you doing, Nihal? I'm doing great, Sahil. You know, we just came back from a Columbus Crew match last night against the Chicago Fire. Yeah. Had a great time. First half, we watched from regular seats. Second half, we got to sit um, or stand behind the Nordeca or the Crew supporters, which was fantastic. You know, we met Frankie Hayduk, a U.S. and Columbus Crew legend, Steve Clark, the starting keeper for Columbus, and Rachel Bonetta from uh, MLS, um, or from YouTube, uh, MLS's YouTube channel. Um, so yeah, it was a great, great day. Uh, we had a, we had a great time at the match, and I mean, most importantly, we saw the crew win three to one. So yeah, I guess the cats out of the bag. We are crew fans, so yeah. I, we, we, I mean, we tend to be impartial, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll cover everything equally. Uh, if you're ever in Columbus, though, I mean, Crew Stadium is pretty nice. I mean, we, we qualified uh, to the 2014 World Cup from there against Mexico. That was a great game. Yeah, I was. I was there. Yeah, my brother was there. I wasn't. Yeah, you were playing middle school soccer. <laughs> yeah, I didn't have my priorities straight back then, but if I, did, if I could do it again, then I'm, I'm going to go to the qualifying game. Yeah, it's a, it's a wonderful, wonderful stadium and a wonderful place to be, especially for U.S. matches. I mean, it's fantastic for those. So You were at the Jamaica match the year before. Yeah. So, and, and we played Jamaica. We also went to the Gold Cup final in Soldier Field. That's... I mean... It's irrelevant. Right. Well, I thought you were saying, like, what U.S. Oh, oh that yeah. was at Cruise Stadium. Yeah, right? it was at Cruise Stadium. Okay, I, I, didn't, I wasn't sure if we were just talking about the U.S. Mount Free Stadium. It wasn't Mount Free Stadium. Or Mount... Right, yeah. So why don't we... Uh, <laughs> Let's get into it. Why don't we jump into the U.S. Men's National Team? The U.S. beat Cuba 6-0 on Saturday in Baltimore. Led by Clint Dempsey, who scored a hat-trick in this game. Other goals were by Zardes, Johansson, and Omar Gonzalez. Um, overall, what did you think of this match? Uh, you know... It was, you know, we all we all thought we'd win pretty handily. You know, six nothing is great. You know, we matched Mexico's score against them, um, but I, I'm just very very glad that we just dominated the match. You know, from a possession standpoint, um, shots on target. First time we've outshot an opponent since World Cup qualifying against Panama in 2013 in a competitive match. Wow. So, I mean, it was nice to outshoot an opponent. Um, Dempsey and Johansson are sort of building a connection up top. Beckerman was able to get back into a rhythm. Um, you know, so it was, it, was a, it was a good match. It was a good match. And, um, you know, Joe Corona got, was able to come in later into the game, and we were able to make halftime substitutions. Um, a little bit disappointed that Michael Bradley played a full 90 minutes. He's played every single minute for the United States in 2015, every single possible minute. Which is insane. So, I, I'm almost thinking, is Jurgen doing it just for that statistic? It doesn't make any no, sense. No, I mean he's the captain of the team. But, but if you're if you're up five or six nil, or I mean, yeah, then why? I mean, I don't know. I mean, Timmy Chandler le- was uh, Timmy Chandler left because he was injured. Um, I think Kyle Beckerman also was a little bit tired, as well as um, Fabian Johnson. So you know, you you sort of have to choose, um, and I guess you know. Michael Bradley probably doesn't want to go off anyway, so... I mean, I understand why he did stay on, but I just wish he did get a break. Um, also, Zardes had a great, fantastic match. You know, I was I was a little bit low on him, and I, I, I still, you know... His first touch is not great. His decision-making is not great. You know, he had a bad first touch, which halted another U.S. attack, but then, you know, he had a couple of wonderful touches in the match. And then, like I said, decision-making, not great. A couple of times he could have, um, you know, chosen a better pass. I, one that sticks out to my mind was he tried to find Johansson 
um, making a near post run, but Dempsey was in the middle of the box for a wide open shot. So, um, you know, Zardes had a good game. Um, still, decision making not there. And Bedoya, how how great was Bedoya yeah. at left back too? I mean, I mean, he's he was very very good. And DeAndre Yedlin, you know, his best position might be as a super sub on the right wing because yeah. that's when he has his best matches, like against Belgium in yeah. the World Cup. Against well, I mean, he was playing right back. But yeah, 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 and Fabian Johnson got injured in like the twentieth minute. That's oh, when he I, I didn't realize he came on that early. Yeah. But, you know, against, um, against the Netherlands, uh, and I believe, I don't think he started against Germany in, in the friendly, um, but against the Netherlands, for sure, he came on and completely changed the match. Um, and, you know, we really, really do need that speed with this team. We don't have Jordan Morris or uh, Bobby Wood or Darlington Nagby yet, you know, I'm excited for that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, he, he can be a real game-changer. Um, but he might get the start against Jamaica because he can deal with Jamaica's speed. So, and Timmy Chandler's hurt. But I don't see, I also at the same time don't see Klinsman starting Yedlin at right back. Seems like he thinks he's a midfielder. So hope, hopefully Tottenham can turn him into the next Gareth Bale. Yeah. <laughs> Convert him from fullback to midfielder. Hopefully. Uh, we were talking about Zardes and Bedoya before. Going forward in um, Alto World Cup qualifying into this too. Who do you think our outside midfielder should be? Because we've seen Yedlin there, we've seen Fabian Johnson there, we've seen Bedoya Zardes. Who, who do you want there? You mean like this year or like throughout the cycle? Like ideally throughout the cycle? Like throughout the cycle because I want you to take into account like Darlington Nagby and... I mean, I think Bedoya and probably, probably Nagby would be my two choices um, at outside midfield. Uh, you know... And on Wednesday? On Wednesday, it's going to be Bedoya and Zardes. Right. Um... You know, Disgrew can also play out wide. Uh, I'm trying to think, is uh, who am I forgetting? I have to be forgetting someone. Yeah, I mean, there's players that can always emerge in the pool. Um, so, you know, Tommy Thompson can play out wide. Like Juan Aguadello yeah. can play out wide. Juan Aguadello can play out wide, exactly. Um, even Paul Ariola, you know, he could he could be one. Uh, he's an up-and-coming player. So, uh, even Zussi, I mean, you yeah. know, he, he's, still, he's still a good player. I guess uh, Brad Davis, but nah, that's probably not, the end of his yeah, national career. Yeah, he's like, career. what, 32, 33? Yeah. Yeah, I, I really don't see that happening. Um, but yeah, I'm trying to think, am I forgetting someone? I, I don't think so. I, 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 Corona, I know one Corona really up there. Corona could play at wide. He, you know, that was also something interesting. Corona seemed to be playing defensive midfield in this match. Yeah. but He was either flat with Bradley or behind Bradley. Very rarely was he... In front of Bradley, so that we might be seeing a transformation there. I mean, Krona can play center mid, but defensive mid—it's interesting. And he, I mean, Krona is a great passer, so if Krona can be effective defensively, I mean, I think he'd be a really, really good defensive mid. And maybe that's Klinsman's plan going forward to replace Kyle Beckerman. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm still trying to think. Am I? I, I got to be missing some outside midfielders, right? Uh, on the squad, I think we. I mean, Jose Villarreal, he could. He could be a player that could potentially make a difference. Zardes, I mean, I didn't even say Zardes. He, he's well, yeah. obviously... I said Zardes when I was... Yeah, Zardes is, a, Zardes is obviously up there. Um, just trying to think who else. And uh, Yedlin, of course. I think Yedlin is a midfielder. So, um, throughout, throughout, I'm hoping to see Bedoya and Nagby or Yedlin. One of those two. So, um, Omar Gonzalez, uh, of course, he had a goal. Some say he impressed in this game. But you said b- um, before the quarterfinals that... This is just because Alvarado's not starting just because Brooks is suspended for this game. 
In this next game, do you want to see Gonzalez there or still that same Brooks Alvarado pairing? Center back pairing. Um, well, you know, Gonzalez and Alvarado played in this match, which is, you know, the first time we've seen Klinsman use two same-footed center backs. Um, and I think that really does affect your play coming out of the back. Um, and I really, I think Klinsman really, really values this tournament in terms of experience for um, Brooks and Alvarado. And I think he really sees these two as the pair for the future. So I, you know, I think, I think Brooks and Alvarado are your starting center backs going forward. But Gonzalez did have a good match. And, um, you know, he had a very good World Cup, and he's ha- had a good Gold Cup in the matches he's played. So Wait, You said going forward, so are you not including Jeff Cameron in this? I think, I think Jeff People Cameron... People tend to forget about him. I now. think Jeff Cameron should either be our starting right back or next to Bradley in the midfield. I thought you were a big Chandler fan, boy. I am a Chandler fan, but I, that's why I think Cameron might be the one to replace Beckerman, actually. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah. We no. actually saw Gonzalez play in that Beckerman role in the World Cup. Yeah, you know, I mean, he played with Beckerman. I, it was a weird position. It was like center defensive mid slash center back slash yeah. That was Germany, right? I think that was Germany. No, it was against Portugal. Portugal, okay. Because we were missing our marking on the wing there. Yeah, yeah, Because he took out, I forgot, Bedoya or Zuzi and put on Gonzalez, and that's how Ronaldo really got some space and was able to whip in that cross. I mean, we still got out of the group, but it would have been nice to beat Portugal. Yeah, and not, yeah. Because everyone was like... Oh, you should thank Ronaldo f- for letting the U.S. get through because they beat Ghana. Well, Ronaldo also screwed us over. So yeah, and also even if Ronaldo didn't score that goal, goal we still would have been. Through, yeah, it was so. still one nothing. Yeah. yeah, people are just annoying. <laughs> those people who just jump around World Cup time. Hopefully, there's not as many of those. Hopefully, it's, it's not even those guys. It's people who who don't like the U.S. or, or Ronaldo fanboys. I mean, there are people who like the U.S. but just like underrated, just well, out, yeah. of, out of ignorance. Yeah, let's not go into a Eurosnob tangent. <laughs> yeah. All right, so is there anything else you want to say on this game? or? Uh, well, we didn't really get to talk about Dempsey, but his first career international uh, hat-trick, that's really surprising. Yeah. I think uh, the stat was, uh, we tweeted this on our podcast, I think he scored in the, in the last 42 games. He's, no, 34. 34 games scored. 22. 22, 22 goals, goals, which is incredible. He's only He has 46 goals now for the national team. Um, and he's only 11 behind Landon Donovan for the all-time lead. So, you know, he could get there. And, I mean, he's a sure... He, I mean, he, what, he, how many goals did he have? Six. I think Peralta still has three, right? So, I, yeah. I, I, maybe four now. No, Cordata scored. So, I, I, yeah, I think Dempsey... Peralta drew the penalty, though. Well, we'll get to that later. Oh, yeah, that's... Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dempsey, yeah, I think Dempsey's gonna win the Golden Boot for sure. Yeah. And uh, I heard Taylor Tolman say this on ESPN. Do you think that um, rescinding the captaincy from Dempsey like made an made an impact on him, and that's one of the reasons that he's scoring so many goals? Well, yeah, Klinsman said he wanted him to focus on scoring goals, and he's doing that. And Tolman also said that Dempsey said, you know, it feels like a weight lift off his shoulder. He feels more free, and that's when Dempsey's great. So yeah. I think it was. I think it really was a good decision. The question is, is this beneficial for Bradley? Because Bradley hasn't has, he certainly hasn't reached his potential this Gold Cup. Well, I mean, he's definitely, he definitely relishes that captain, the captain's yeah. role. I mean, he talks on the field more. Yeah, than he Bobby. talks, you know, he's a great, great leader. And he's also, I think, be, with Caldwell retiring, he's going to be the captain for Toronto FC. So I think he, he really, um, he really relishes that role. And it's a good tournament for him to develop as that captain. Because if he's the captain, he's the captain for the next eight years. 
So yeah. um, he, he, you know, I think he really, he really does relish the role, and he's a great captain. He's captain material. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the Trinidad-Panama game. Um, this game was in East Rutherford, New Jersey, and they went into extra time after the game was tied 1-1. Thanks to goals from Kenwin Jones for Trinidad and Tejada for Panama. I, I actually think you said both these guys are the X-Factors yes. for both of these teams. Yeah, I did. Really interesting. Um, neither party managed to score a goal in extra time, so then it went into penalties and penalties. Sorry. Penalties and penalties. <laughs> Valentin Pimentel managed to send Panama to the semifinals as Panama won 6-5 on penalties. Well, Pimentel scored that penalty, but then Pinedo yeah. saved it. Yeah. So, Pinedo with a great save. Um, good for Panama. You know, they have a chance to beat Mexico in the semifinals again to make it to a Gold Cup final. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, I really thought Trinidad was going to win this game. Um, you know, like I said, Kenwin Jones, fantastic. You're right. I said Kenwin Jones and um, yeah. Luis Tejada would be the X factors. So, you know, um, unfortunate for Trinidad. They had a fantastic tournament, and you really feel like they could have given Mexico a run for their money. Uh, but I really do think Mex- Panama is an easier opponent for Mexico. So, um, you know, good good for Panama though. You know, they're they're rising in their region. Um, I believe they drew Pan- or Argentina in the Under-20 World Cup um, in, in group play. I can't remember if they got out or not. I don't think they did. But, you know, they have young players, you know, and they have a good mix of young and old players. So Panama is one of the rising stars in the region, along with Jamaica. So, yeah. Want to talk about Jamaica? Yeah, yeah. We're gonna, let's talk Which about was Jamaica. the day before. Yeah, it was actually the day before and on the same side of the bracket as us. So, yeah. Switching over to that side of the bracket... Um, after the U.S. game, um, same stadium in Baltimore, um, Jamaica played Hedy and G- Giles Barnes was the deciding factor. He scored in the fifth minute, or the sixth, sixth minute, as Jamaica won 1 0. Yeah, who was my X Factor again for Jamaica? Giles Barnes. Yeah, so. Did you say, I don't think you said Clint Dempsey, though, for the U.S. Uh, I don't I think you said Zardes. Well, I mean. Well, he scored a goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean. <laughs> I mean, okay. You know, I just remembered, I didn't mention Johansson for the U.S. He had a fantastic game, too. Goal and assist. He should be the striker. Um, all right, so talking about Jamaica, um, Giles Barnes in, what, the ninth minute? Somewhere around there, um, scores a fantastic goal from, like, an almost impossible angle. Um, and, you know, it really, Jamaica really is the better team. Um, and, you know, they, they didn't look too great. But, you know, they are a very, very good team, and they will give the U.S. a run for the money um, in, you know, they will give the U.S. a run for the money on Wednesday. So, um, Jamaica also, like I just said, one of the rising teams in the region. Uh, Schaefer, their coach, is fantastic. He he has a team that wants to fight for him. He has a team that thinks they can win the Gold Cup, which they can, and a team that's very, very good on the ball and on the field. In, in the past, we've seen Jamaica be you know, uphold their stereotype of pace and strength. But this team has some technical players. They have uh, a Giles Barnes who can play on the ball. Um, they have Darren Maddox, who's, who's, yes, very fast, but he can he can be also very, very exciting on the ball. He just needs to work on his finishing. Um, I, I think Darren Maddox missed this match, though, because he was red-carded in the previous match. Um, or he was red-carded in this match. I don't, I don't remember. I'm sorry. Um, but, you know, they do have, ooh, excuse me, that was my pen. <laughs> um, we, they do have uh, a lot of exciting young talent. So, you know, Jamaica, I, I, like I said in the last podcast, I think 
they, they really could qualify for the 2018 World Cup. Yeah. And I think I think Jamaica qualified for next year's um, Centenario, right? With that, because Cuba and um, Haiti both lost. Uh, but, I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, we'll confirm that yeah. at some point. I was just going to mention this. You said that uh, Schaefer's a great head coach, and he is. But I, he's, he's animated, and I feel like I've just been noticing this trend that CONCACAF head coaches are just generally more exciting to watch. I mean, Jurgen, Miguel Herrera, the Panamanian twins. Yeah, well, they're not there anymore. But Yeah, they used to be. Y- you know, yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that is. I think because, one, it's a lot rougher, so they tend to, you know... They tend to yell a lot more at the refs, maybe. But at the same time, you're not going to see Roy Hodgson do that. But Roy yeah. Hodgson's very mild mannered. I don't know. I think Europe. I don't. I think you're underrating European national team managers. I think they can be very, very animated. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know. I. All, the big ones aren't very though. Yeah. I mean, I think That's they usually say say interesting things. Old, and, right. Yeah. They usually say interesting things in like the press conference afterwards. Or, yeah. Like, controversial things. Yeah. That's possible. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the next game, um, the last game of the quarterfinals. The name that will be remembered from Mexico, Costa Rica, is Walter Lopez. Um, he was a deciding factor as he called a penalty. When he was the referee. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> and as Arribe Peralta went down an additional time of the second half of extra time. And, 122nd minute. Yeah. And uh, Andres Guardado took the penalty and scored it, and Mexico won one zero. Yeah, you know, uh, Walter Lopez had a great match up until that point, and he, you know, I expect him to be the referee for the final, the Gold Cup final. I think, you know, Ivis Galarsep said, you know, it was the AR who called the penalty, which is correct, so as as the referee, you got to trust your AR in that situation, right, if you if you don't have a good eye on it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's, it wasn't a penalty. You know, you can make a case that um, Roy Miller was holding on to um, Aribe, and he, you know, but I, it wasn't a penalty. Absolute disgrace. There should have been red cards early in the match. Peralta should have been sent off, actually. Um, but, you know, oh, man, it's just, I feel so bad for Costa Rica. And like a lot of people have been saying, it's hard, it's hard to not question whether something fishy is going on here because Mexico is such a cash cow. Um, but at the same time, I really don't think the referees were thinking about that in that situation. Yeah. It's just really unfortunate. Bad calls happen. Yes, Mexico deserved to win the match. They were the better team, but it's ridiculous to say that they deserved that penalty. You know, you don't win in that way. They weren't able to score, so in my book, they didn't deserve to win the match. You know, the only time when you look better and you deserve to win a match is in FIFA, (laughs) because (laughs) you genuinely outplayed the opponent. Yeah. But... I mean, you you got to put the, you know, you got to convert. Vela had a miss. You got to convert. Uh, but, you know, credit credit to Mexico. They were able to convert the penalty. Credit to um, the Costa Rican head coach after the match. He was very, very, you know, measured, and he, he didn't blame the referee. So, you know, credit to them. Um, you know, God, Roy Miller. You got to feel terrible for Roy Miller, especially because he came on for Brian Ruiz, uh, which was an interesting trait or um, interesting substitution. So, man, it's, you know, Mexico are through, um, unfortunate in, in an unfortunate fashion, you know. Costa Rica really, you know, really deserve to go to penalties, I think. Um, I mean, 
What do you mean? Like, they didn't deserve. Uh, you, know, you know what I mean? Like they 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 got screwed over essentially. Like, yeah. They should have been in penalties because of that. But you know, we better not hear any Mexico fans saying no era penal uh, because of the Robin dive. And yes, the World Cup is a bigger stage, but that was surely more of a penalty than yeah. this. So. Oh man, yeah. You know, it's if Concacaf wants to be taken seriously as a region, we got to do better. We got to do better. That's all I'm saying. Do you think that like the Concacaf ref situation is exaggerated at all? Maybe a little bit, but it just seems like every match, just even in MLS, like it seems like there's so much controversy when it comes to refereeing. So uh, I I just think when. When the world is already against you in terms of perception, it, it hurts when you have two of your best teams playing to in a great match, and then Mexico, the team that's going to generate more money, that always seems to be in the final, wins on a phantom penalty. I think something that may play a part in it is that there are more hard calls to make because MLS is generally maybe more physical than some of the leagues that we see in Europe. Yeah, but the referees are also just worse. I mean, that's just a fact. Yeah, yeah, I know. So. All right, uh, the semifinal games are set as the U.S. plays Jamaica and Panama plays Mexico. First, let's preview the U.S. versus Jamaica. Um, What exactly should the U.S. be afraid of in this game? Speed, like I said. Giles Barnes. (laughs) Um, You know, Jamaica Jamaica is, is a very, very good team. Like I said, you know, they, they can get in behind, especially if, if Brooks and Alvarado are not on the same page. Um, and also if, um, yeah, if they, you know, they, they really do need to be on the same page um, in order to stop the uh, Jamaican attack. Um, that's really the main thing, because Jamaica likes to play over the top. They can play a lot of possession. Um, but defensively, Jamaica's not too great. They're pretty suspect. And I think the U.S. attack can definitely, definitely, um, um, definitely can exploit that. You know, uh, um, excuse me, Giles Barnes and Gareth McClary are both great up top. You know, I actually, I did say Giles Barnes was my X Factor, but I also said Gareth McClary was another X Factor. So, um, McClary, great player up front, U.S., has to be on top of it. You know, there were, Alvarado got beat in the air a couple of times against Cuba, and better strikers like Barnes or McClary are going to finish those chances. So we gotta be we gotta be really tight, and we gotta be on the same page. The defenders. Do you expect any starting lineup changes from last game for the U.S.? Yeah. Only only if there's injury, and I also could see Fabian Johnson playing on the right and Beasley playing on the left if he's if he's not hurt. So no Brooks. No, no, Brooks... Well, sorry. Yeah, Brooks will be there. I forgot. Brooks will be there because Brooks and Alvarado will be the starting center back. Okay. And then uh, X-Factors for both teams. Uh, For the U.S., I think... Who? That's tough. I think it's Aaron Johansson. He's going to be so much of the attack. um, And if he can, you know, if he can connect with Dempsey even better, and if he can get some shots off, um, I think the U.S. wins. If he plays a good game, the U.S. wins. And for um, Jamaica, I'm going to go with um, Gareth McClary. Uh, you know, he's a great player. He can play on the wing. He can play striker. And he's a player the U.S. should be afraid of. Now, like, in the future against all opponents, do you think that 
the Johansson and Dempsey combination will work because some say that neither of them are like true number nines. Yeah, so I think it will work. I think they're building a good and connection. Talk, talk about like what what you want to see as a, from them as a pair and who should be. Well, you know, they can unlock stuff. defenses. They can dribble past defenders. They can take them one on one, and they can pass to each other. They can send in some through balls to each other, and they can both drift out wide and be effective on crosses. So that's what I want to see. I want to see them connecting, being in the right position, drifting out wide, creating some chances, and not having to rely on the wingers sending in crosses or Bradley th- sending in through balls, because they both can create their own chances, which is something the U.S. has severely lacked in recent years. So. Yeah. So, and then I, I think you said that uh, Josie would no longer be part of a play- I'm, not, I'm no longer talking about the Gold Cup, but do you think... Josie would be um, a nice threat to sub on in some of the Yeah, I mean, I think he's better than Wondolowski and Alan Gordon. And he played a good match against um, for Toronto this weekend against Philadelphia. So um, I, think he, I think he probably should be on the national team. When I say we should move on from Josie, I think we should start exploring other options and not penciling in Josie Altidore as our starting striker every single week. Yeah. Okay, what are, what are your predictions to U.S. versus Jamaica? I'm going to say U.S. 3-1. to one. U.S. 3-1. to one. I'm going to say... Uh, it's a tough one. I, Jamaica can definitely win. You know, you know, I think it might be more high-scoring than that, actually. You think so? Yeah, I, don't, I, think, I think it's possible that Jamaica can put more goals past us, but I think it's possible that we can put more goals past them if Johansson and Dempsey start to figure each other out more. Yeah, you know, the last time we played Jamaica in a competitive match, Brad Evans scored the game winner in stoppage time. Remember that in the Hex? Mm, kind of. Wait, what, what was the final score? 2-1. Jamaica, oh, okay. Jamaica scored in, like, the 80th minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I kind of remember that. Yeah. So, you know, it's it'll be a good battle, and I'm sure they're, they're looking for a revenge from that match. Um, also, you know, I feel like people are overlooking Jamaica – Jamaica, they won the group with Costa Rica in it. They are a good team. They're a quality side, and they're not content. You know, their goal was to make it to the semifinal, but they're not content to be here. They want to get further. So it should be a great match. All right, let's talk about the next match, which is um, on the same day in Atlanta, just like uh, U.S. versus Jamaica. Um, what does Panama have to do to beat Mexico? By the way, the match is Panama versus Mexico. Um, they have to limit Mexico's chances. Uh, they can't give them clear-cut chances, although Mexico can't really doesn't seem to be able to finish. Um, and they, you know, they just have to be very, very organized defensively, um, which they are. So they, they they are a good team in that case, and they need to get some chances from up top. They need Blas Perez to be playing well. They need Luis Te, Luis Tejada to be to um, you know take some chances as well. Um, did you ask about Mexico? Oh, no, you said, what does Panama need to do? So those are, those are the main things, because they're not going to control the midfield. Um, that's not going to happen. Mexico are going to control possession. They're going to have the greater chances. Jaime Pinedo needs to be on his game. Um, and if they can do that, they get a couple of uh, chances on the counterattack, maybe put one away, you know, they could, they could be through to the final. So you don't think Panama can, like, out-possess Mexico no. or anything like that? I don't think they'll try to either. Right. All right, who... Um who are your X-Factors for this game? Uh, Blas Perez for Panama. Um, he really needs to get in behind the defense, um, maybe put one of the chances away. And for Mexico, Carlos Vela. You know, for so long we were talking about how would this team look with Carlos Vela? How much better will they be? Well, they don't seem to be that much better. Um, Gio Dos Santos is out injured. Um, he might not play in this match. 
So, you know, Vela really, really needs to pick up the slack and create. He needs to create. If Dos Santos is not there, he is clearly the most creative player on this team. And also, I would also add in Andres Cuadrado. Um, he's had a good tournament. Um, his, distribu- his distribution has been very good. So, What are your predictions for this match? I'm going to say Mexico 1-0. 1-0. Okay. Both games will be p- played in Atlanta on July 2nd. You can watch... 22nd. Uh, tw- sorry, 20 seconds. <laughs> you can watch U.S. versus Jamaica on Fox Sports 1 and Panama versus Mexico on Fox Sports 2. Yep. U.S.A. versus Jamaica at 6 o'clock and Panama versus Mexico at 9 o'clock. All right. Well, I think another thing to mention is the U.S. playing first is good for the U.S. because the field won't be so beaten up. Yeah, yeah. All right. What's next? Um, MLS review. All right, so... We're going with MLS Review. So this is my section. Um, so every week we're going to be starting with uh, my MLS Reviews. You know, I'll just go through every match very quickly, um, talk about what happened, and then I'll do my power rankings, and then Saha will go through the standings. All right, so let's start last Wednesday. We did have a midweek match, Columbus Crew versus the Chicago Fire. Uh, Columbus Crew won one nothing in Chicago. Kai Kamara um, scored uh, another goal. He's on fire with 14 goals in the league so far, and is, the, in, is, and is in the lead for the Golden Boot. Um, so a rivalry match, a great match um, to watch um, every time that happens. And then, Friday was the big match. Steven Gerrard making his debut in the California Classico. We were actually watching the match during our last podcast. Um, so if you want to go back and check that out, it was kind of funny for us to react um, to it. Unfortunately, we stopped recording right before Gerrard scored his goal. But San Jose went up 2-0. Quincy Amarico had a brace. Um, But LA was able to score five unanswered goals. Robbie Keane got one back. Gerard tied it. Keane scored two more. And then Letget continues his great season and was able to get a late header. Then we go to Toronto. Toronto beat Philadelphia 2-1 at home. Delgado scoring for the second week in a row. Um, The U.S. under-20 midfielder who was not very good in the, U- in the U-20 World Cup, but is much better in a more attacking midfield role, um, with Bradley missing, was able to score his second goal in two weeks, and the Jovinko scores again for Toronto to make, go up 2-0. Connor Casey scores a consolation goal late in the match. Um, jo- Jovinko has been great. He has something like 12 goals and 8 assists, um, and Josie Outdoor also returned to Toronto and looks very good in this match. New England were able to be NYCFC at home. Lee Wynn scores a goal early on in the match. New England finishes 1-0. And then a controversial match in Orlando. Um, the Lions fell to New York Red Bulls 2-0. Uh, Sasha Kledgston scored a beautiful curler from outside the box. Wonderful goal. You saw that. Great goal by Kledgston. Um, and then Mike Grella, a nice individual goal um, late on in the match. But the news was Adrian Heath getting kicked off. Kyle Lahren um, was sent off early in the match for a two-footed tackle. Didn't seem like a red card. Um, and then Adrian Heath was sent off later for dissent. Um, and the story was the post-match press conference by Adrian Heath. Um, you know, he was blasting the referees. Um, he's saying they were bad for both sides, which they were. Um, a New York Red Bulls goal was wrongly disallowed for a foul, um, you know, Adrian Heath said one of his own players should have gotten a red card later in the match. Um, so, you know, Adrian Heath, good on him for, you know, 
good on him for doing that and, you know, blasting the referees. <laughs> I mean, not good on him. He's going to get fined. So, yeah. do you want to add anything? Um, no. I mean, I mean, it's good to see that he was, like, like he made points that were negative for both sides. So. Right. So, he, yeah, exactly. And then, Sporting Kansas City uh, continued their great form with a 2-1 victory versus Montreal at home. Benny Fellhaber is having a fantastic season. Many people want to see him back with the U.S. national team. Uh, he scored a goal and notched an assist in this one. Fellhaber now has six goals and ten assists on the season and four goals and five assists in the last eight matches in MLS play. Um, Ignacio Piatti of Montreal um, shows his class again. He scored his sixth goal of the season um, in this match, but Montreal ended up losing 2-1. to one. Dallas beat Eastern Conference leaders D.C. United at home. Now Dallas are in the lead in the, in the Western Conference. Um, they won 2-1. to one. Kellen Acosta, the U-20 player, um, who was playing left back at the um, U-20 World Cup, but is a much better midfielder, I think, and played midfield in this match, got his first MLS goal. D.C. Um, excuse me. D.C. answered back. Um, courtesy of a Jairo Arrieta goal, great cross by Korb, um, wonderful cross by Korb on that Arrieta goal. But then Fabian Castillo was able to score the winner, MLS All-Star Fabian Castillo. Um, and, you know, DC, uh, FC Dallas actually moved ahead of DC in the Supporter Shield race. Um, then Colorado shocks Seattle at home. Seattle continues, you know, their, ba- their string of bad results um, and their losses to inferior opponents. Uh, new signing, Kevin Doyle, was able to score a far post goal um, in the box. Uh, and Colorado won, wins, ends up winning 1-0. Um, RSL beat Houston 2-0. Javi Morales scored an absolute class goal off the half volley. And then Joel Plata um, finished off a great team goal, dribbles around uh, the Houston defenders, and finishes a much-needed victory for Jeff Kassar's men. Portland and Vancouver tie... One to one in Portland. Valeri opened the scoring with a very well taken near post goal, and then Matias Laba tied it up from a thir- with a 35 yard blast. Um, great goal for them. And then finally, the match we were at Columbus versus Chicago on Sunday night. Columbus picks up the victory three to one after a rain delay um, over the Chicago Fire. Ethan P- Finley drew a penalty in 15 seconds. Iguain converts. Um, Akam of the Fire. Uh, answers back with a free kick goal that takes a deflection off of Justin Miram. But then Kai Kamara, another header in this match um, to go up 2-1. to one, And Finley finishes off, finishes it off late 3-1. to one. So a good, a good weekend in MLS, um, an exciting weekend. Um, and, you know, the parody shows in the league. All right, so let's go to the power rankings. Tell me what you think about these. There was some movement. Number one this week is the Los Angeles Galaxy up two. Gerard fit right into the midfield, which is crazy, right away. And they're getting Giovanni De Santos. Um, they are, you know, technically in third place in the Supporter Shield race, but they have 34 points, which is only one less than Dallas and one less than DC United. FC Dallas up to number two, up four spots this week. Take the Supporter Shield lead over DC United. DC United drop one from two to three because of that loss to Dallas. Seattle down three. We're number one last week, but now number four because of their loss to Colorado. It should be better once they get Martins and Dempsey back, however. Columbus is up two and number five. Um, two wins in the span of a week and are now second in the Eastern Conference. Number six, Sporting Kansas City 
the hottest team in the league, arguably. Um, they're sorry, not up six. They're actually down one. Um, they did win. Um, they are at number six, but the other teams that are above them, um, you know, one, um, except for DC and Seattle, but DC was at two and Seattle was at one before this week. Vancouver drops three, um, to number seven. You know, they're dropping down in the supporter shield race and in the Western conference race, but they're still definitely in it. Toronto up three. Javinko is still on a tear. Um, Toronto up three to number eight. Uh, New York Red Bulls up one to number nine. Um, they got a big road win against Orlando. Portland down two to number 10. Um, drop points at home against Cascadia Rivals. New England down two. Uh, they did win, um, but they just haven't looked that convincing. Orlando City SC stays at 12. RSL up three. Jeff Kassar's men get a big, big win um, against Houston. Montreal down one. Uh, Montreal lost this week to Sporting Kansas City. San Jose stays at 15. New York City FC down two spots to number 16. Philadelphia stays at 17. Colorado up one to number 18 with a big win, but are still bottom in the Western Conference. Houston tied with them on points, down one to number 19. And in last place, the Chicago Fire. Only 18 points this season. Um, so not a, not a great season for them. So those are my power rankings. What do you think? Well, uh, I want to know like how much uh, Giovanni Dos Santos influences LA being number one because of course we don't know how he's going to play. Uh, not a whole lot, but you know it it it, it, it cements their place as number one. Yeah. Even if they weren't getting Dos Santos, Zardes is missing, Gonzalez is missing, you know, and they still managed to beat they still managed to beat San Jose five to two. And Gerard looks comfortable in the midfield, playing a more attacking role. Um, rather than in the hole like he did for Liverpool. Yeah. So he'll be able to influence L.A. attacks this season. And also, do you think this whole Seattle uh, slide is is just a phase, or it says something about the team? Um, I think it's just a phase. They're missing players. Uh, um, they're missing players, so I think they will figure it out later in the season. But you just can't deny that L.A. and FC Dallas are the two top teams in the West right now. And D.C. has to be up there because they've just been tearing it up in the East. So, Seattle, they have a chance to make up ground. But uh, right now, I, you know, they don't look like a team that, even with Dempsey and Martins, can win MLS Cup. But should be there or in the Western Conference Finals. Um, and then in the, on the Eastern Conference, I mean, this isn't really a question about your power rankings. But do you think Columbus can keep that second-place spot in the East? Yeah, I think they're clearly the second-best team in the East. Right, but they are two game. Uh, they have, I mean, New York Red Bulls have two games in hand, and they're only down one point. So, well, you know, we've seen it before that games in hand don't mean much. Columbus is finally starting to score again and starting to win, and I think they'll continue that, especially if they make some good signings. What do you mean they, they don't mean much? No, I, I, I'm sorry, <laughs> they mean a lot, but it's not like New York has an automatic six points or points at all. Right now, Columbus has more points. Right now, they're in second place, and right now, they are playing um, just as well, if not better, than New York, than New York. And I think that they can sustain, you know, they can sustain this type of form, especially with Ethan Finley and Kai Kamara. Did you expect this season from the Red Bulls? Because I mean, they lost Cahill, they lost uh, Thierry Henry. So no, not at all. You know, they they fired Mike Pecky too. They, they've had a fantastic, fantastic season. So. 
props to them. And also Bradley Wright Phillips, I mean, he's scoring less goals, he's playing in a different position. Yeah, you know, so. he's he's shown that he he's very versatile and last season wasn't a fluke. And uh, do you expect Toronto to jump above fourth or do you expect them to stay there? Fourth or? in the east. Yeah, fourth in the east. Um, I think they're gonna finish the season in third place. And do you think Josie's gonna contribute more as the season goes along? I mean he, he did deliver a nice pass, and G- I mean, Giovinco kind of um, could have scored a goal. Yeah, you know, it was – he can. He he will. He will be – especially when Bradley gets back. Um, he plays really well with someone like Giovinco right below him and also with someone like Bradley being able to bomb balls for it. You know, he had Adamar at Azad Alkmaar, which is a big part of his success. But it seems like with Giovinco's speed, Josie could be holding out play and then – like, dipping off balls to Giovinco. But, that, I mean, he doesn't need to score goals to make an impact. Yeah, right, right, right. But, I mean, for the national team, I think. Yeah. He if he's not scoring goals, different. then... Yeah, I mean, but that's not what you were asking. No, no, no I know, I know. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, all right, so do you have anything else to say about MLS? Uh, you want to go over the standings real quickly? Oh, yeah, yeah. Right, so in the Eastern Conference, should I say points and games played? Or no, just, just go through it quickly. Right. So in the Eastern Conference, sitting at number one is DC United, and number two is Columbus Crew SC. Number three is New York Red Bulls. And number four is Toronto FC. And number five is New England Revolution. And number six is Orlando City SC, dropping into non-playoff spots. And number seven is Philadelphia Union. Philadelphia Union. And number eight is Montreal Impact. And number nine is NYCFC. And number ten is Chicago Fire. Um, going to the Western Conference, at number one is FC Dallas. Number two is LA Galaxy. Number three is Vancouver Whitecaps. Number four is Sporting Kansas City. Number five is Seattle Sounders. Number six is Portland Timbers. Non-playoff spot, number seven, Real Salt Lake. San Jose at number eight. Houston Dynamo at number nine. And at ten are the Colorado Rapids. Yeah, and it looks like the Western Conference is pretty much set. Um, six points um, separate six and um, seven. Um, set meaning the six playoffs, the six teams in the playoffs will probably be there. There's only three points separating number one and number six in the West. So that'll be very, very competitive. Um, and in the East, you know, anyone can really make it. So... You know. Yeah. Do you think Montreal will make it? Because obviously they played the least amount. I think games I think they can. East. I think they can. I don't know if they will, but I think they can. Just make a prediction. I think they're definitely the the the, the team outside of the playoffs right now that can make it in. But I think the other six teams are just better right now. Yeah. All right. So um, let's move on to other news in the soccer world. Um, there was recently a press conference in Zurich and comedian uh, FIFA, FIFA press, press conference and comedian what's his name Simon Brodkin. Um, had a pretty funny prank before it started. Uh, you want to explain it? Yeah, he just, you know, he, yeah, he had a bunch of fake money. He threw it over fake bladder, or it's not fake bladder, set bladder. And he said, this is for, like, the 2026 20, North Korea bid, take it. So, set bladder was pretty angry and flustered. But importantly from that conference was that um, a date was set February 2016. I think February 26th is when we, we elect a new FIFA president. The end is near. Yeah. How happy are you about this? I, I'm happy, you know, I'm happy for Sepp Bellatter to be gone. Well, I, let, let me rephrase that question. I don't know. I mean, this is actually a different question, but do you think that this will change the amount of corruption happening in FIFA and... and I mean, not right away, but yeah. we can, it's, it's, a, it's a huge step in the right direction. Um, one more thing. Last week there was Senate hearings, you know, um, we talked about it a little bit. Um, we didn't really talk about Adam Jennings. You know, he wants Sunil Gulati to leave, and he wants the U.S. to pull out of FIFA. Um, so he's a British reporter, I believe. 
So, you know, it's interesting, interesting stuff. Go check out his, go check out his testimony. And, you know, there's a lot of good articles breaking down what he said. Uh, yeah, we have women's national team news now. Alex Morgan had surgery recently, and Sydney LaRue is out for the rest of the NWSL season. Um, also, Alex Morgan, Alex Morgan and Christine Sinclair are the first two women to be on a cover of a FIFA game. Um, Morgan's on the cover of, uh, for the United States, and he's along, she's alongside Lionel Messi, and Sinclair's on the Canadian version of FIFA. Yeah, you know, it's, it's great. You know, there are 12 women's, team in the, women's teams in the game now, um, so... You know, it's great to see Alex Morgan and Sinclair on the cover. And, you know, Messi said something along the lines um, about how, you know, Alex is has done great things for the U.S. and, you know, did a great job bringing the – has done a great things for the sport and that it's an honor for him to be on the cover with her. So that's amazing to hear from Lionel Messi. Yeah. Um, and, you know, great marketing by FIFA. You know, they're trying to expand the FIFA video game by EA Sports. Um, they're trying to expand their, you know – who they appeal to, and, you know, they not only appeal more to players who want to play with the U.S. women's national team like me, who already play FIFA, but also to maybe um, fans of the U.S. women's national team, or other or with women's soccer in general. Yeah, uh, so moving on, I mean, we don't have an, a lot of American abroad news right now, but uh, Ethan Horvath led Molda in a 5-0 victory in Champions League qualification. Molda um, is a Norwegian team. Josh Gatt also plays there. And, you know, Ethan Horvath, the reason why he... Um, goalkeeper, by the way. Yeah, goalkeeper. The reason why he, he wasn't called up for the U-20 World Cup was because Molda didn't want to release him. You don't have to release players for youth competitions. Um, and, you know, he be, he, he became the sh- starter shortly after, for Molda shortly after um, the U-20 World Cup started. So we have two young, very good young goalkeepers and Horvath and Stefan coming through the ranks. Yeah, uh, now let's move on to some European transfers. Uh, Patrick Roberts was confirmed to be moving from championship side Fulham to Manchester City. Not the first time uh, Patrick Roberts has been looked at by big clubs. Uh, What do you think about this transfer? Um, He's a fantastic young player. I I don't know if there's any loan news yet, but I expect him to be loaned out. Yeah. Um, uh, Moving on, there's rumors of Vidal to Bayern Munich. This has been going on for, I would say, probably around a week. Um, Some reports saying deal is done or being close to done. What does this mean for both sides? Well, you know, great replacement for Bashir Schweinsteiger. Um, Vidal's on top of his game right now, a great two-way player, can play really anywhere in the center, can play anywhere in the center of the park. Um, and, you know, unfortunate for Juventus, but, you know, gr- it would be a great signing for Munich. Yeah. Um, Lenz. Uh, Jermaine Dutch, Lenz. Jermaine Lenz, Lenz. Is it Lenz? I think so, I know. All right, I've heard, maybe I've just been hearing, like, American commentators who can't pronounce things. Okay, <laughs> Lons, uh, Dutch winger of Dynamo Kiev, was confirmed to be moving to Sunderland. Yeah, good move for Sunderland. He's an exciting player and a player who's played with the Dutch national team. So, Yeah. Uh, Klassi, did I say that right? Yeah, Jordi Klassi. Jordi Klassi, another Dutch player, midfielder, moved from Rotterdam in the Eredivisie to Southampton. You know, they've had Southampton, as we saw last year, have had success with Eredivisie players. So, um... You know, uh, Kuman, which I believe is, is the manager's name, um, you know, knows how to work with these players. I believe coached in the Eredivisie, and Klassi's a class player. So that really didn't—I really did not intend to do that. Klassi's a very good player. Um, played in the World Cup for the Netherlands. So good signing for Southampton, especially since they're losing uh, such a big presence in Morgan Schneiderlin in the center of the park. 
There's rumors of Felipe Luis going back to Atletico Madrid from Chelsea. Yeah, good move for him. You know, he didn't play much. I'm glad he's yeah, he's too good to not be getting playing time. Yeah, and good move for Atletico Madrid too. He's, yeah. he's a good player. Um, and then there's rumors of Mario Goza getting a Bayern Munich exit. Yeah, Mandzukic apparently wants him to come to Juventus. So it'll that'd be crazy. Good replacement for Vidal. Yes. Yeah. And yeah. they would have Kadira coming too. And, I mean, and he's younger than Vidal and just as good, I'd say. Well, you don't well, think so? Well, definitely. I mean, they're different players. Yeah, definitely. The versatility is not there for Goza as much as it is for Vidal. He's um, a much more attacking player. Yeah, and I, I would say. I would say Vidal is better to have in multiple competitions than Goza would be, but Goza is younger and he does have a lot of potential. Um, he scored yeah. the World Cup. He scored the World Cup winning goal. Yeah. And then um, John Stones is rumored that he may be on his way to Chelsea. I know Roberto Martinez is really reluctant of a sale of John Stones. Yeah, you know, they started with 20 million pounds. I think they're going up to 26, maybe 34, there are reports of. Yeah. Um, it's hard to say no to that, but John Stones, one of the top three center backs in the Premier League last year, had better stats than both Cahill and Terry, um, and just, you know, he's 20 years old. So We, play, we played that one game, and I, I gave you him as... My player in the last soccer brothers. Oh yeah, yeah. Or not, not the last. Not one. the last one. The last time we played the game. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's a great player, and um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if Chelsea's able to snag him. Yeah. But um, good for his development to stay at Everton, I think. And I'm not just saying that because I'm an Everton fan. Yeah. Let's move on to um, MLS transfers. Amobi Akugo was traded from Orlando City SC to Sporting Kansas City. How do you think it'll impact? Um. Well, you know. Uh, Iguita and Saran in the center of the midfield for um, Orlando have, you know, played very, very well. So, um, Okugo's a little bit more disposable. But Mustavar and Espinosa and Felhaber have a good thing going as far as Kansas City. Um, it'll be interesting to see if Okugo plays, you know, starts um, at center defensive mid, which he's very good at, or moves back to center back, which he played at for Philadelphia. So... Um, we really don't know what Peter Vermees has in store for Akugo. Um, Akugo did snub um, some European transfers last year, or for some European opportunities in Europe to stay with um, MLS. So he's a very, very good player. Yeah, um, that finishes uh, it for the news portion. We have a couple emails that we got. These didn't all come today, but we wanted to stack up enough so that we could actually have a segment for this. So we have, we, uh, if you want to email us, you can email us at soccerbrotherspodcast.gmail.com. That's our email. And we got a few questions. So um, I'm going to read them off, and then we can both kind of collectively answer them. Right. So this one comes from d18draj at mvcs.org. Uh, Gladbach has, has their first CL spot in a while. How do you see them competing with European elites? Europeans elite. With well, European I mean, I guess they both make sense. Yeah. Um... You know, they're, they're a very, very good team. They have a lot of good players. They have, um, obviously, Fabian Johnson, who's a player we like very much. Um, you know, they have Rafael, I believe. I don't think he left, right? Yeah. Um, Patrick Herman is he still there? Yeah, Patrick Herman is still there. Um, I think Cromer was on loan last year. I think Thorgan Hazard was on loan, too, right? Yeah. Um, so, but they do, you know, they have Dominguez back there at, at the back. Um, they do have some very, very good players. And they're a team that I really, I really do think can compete, and if they have um, a favorable group, can get out of the group stage and maybe make an impact in um, the round of 16 or in the knockout rounds. And um, it'll be great to see another American in the Champions League with Fabian Johnson. Yeah. 
Great to see him going back to the Champions League. Um, the next question from him again is, with mid-table teams like West Ham and Newcastle buying foreign talent, do you see any of them breaking into Europa League spots? You know, I, I would be reluctant to call Newcastle a mid-table team. Um, they're definitely at the bottom. You know, they almost got relegated last year. Yeah. So, I mean, they did get uh, Giorgio Wijnaldum, um, you know, so... Yes, I think they can. I mean, I think West Ham, or sorry, Newcastle for sure can be much better and not be afraid of getting relegated this year. Um, you know, the TV money that uh, Premier League teams have gotten is absolutely insane. Um, so, you know, they're able to afford these types of players. West Ham just keeps on getting better and better. Um, but, you know, if they do end up qualifying for the Europa League this, league, this year, I think it'll be very, very stressful. It'll spread them very thin like we saw with Everton last year. Yeah. And I don't... If, if that happens, I I don't see them... Going back to the Europa Yeah, I don't see them going back to the Europa League. Unless they get knocked out very early. All right. Uh, another one. This one's coming from Bias. Bass. Bass Navip. Um, he says, Hi, guys. First off, great job on your podcast so far. I've enjoyed... I've enjoyed listen to, listening to all of your podcasts that the both of you have put out. I have Thanks. a question, though. Thanks. <laughs> I have a question, though. Going forward, do you think Timi- Timothy Chandler should be a starter? I'm looking forward to hearing what both of you think. Um, well, you know, on the show, it's well documented that I like Timmy Chandler a lot. Um, I think he should be the starting right back, at least for this competition, if he's healthy. And going forward for the U.S., um, Jeff Cameron can also start there. So, But I really do think Timmy Chandler is our best right back option. He has a lot to he, he has a lot of potential as well. You know, he's not the finished product. He's very, very good going forward, and he can be good defensively. Um, and he is good defensively for Frankfurt. So, what do you think? Um, I mean, I, I would say that I, I would, like, starting before a game, I think that uh, it would be better for the starting lineup to have Jeff Cameron starting at right back than Timothy Chandler, and I don't think Chandler can compete with Fabian Johnson for left back. But it is nice to have a player like Jeff Cameron on the bench in case of injury for some center back depth. But don't you think Jeff Cameron's better utilized in a different position, like center back or defensive but, man? Still, I think that I'd rather. I, there's doesn't he doesn't he sometimes play right back for Stoke? And he's, no, he is yeah. he, he is the right back. He's the yeah. starting right back for Stoke. They did sign a right back recently, which is so good. I mean, and he was voted Player of the Year, I think. Yeah. So I mean, I would. I don't know why. Why wouldn't we start Jeff Cameron right back? Because he can play other positions. When we have two players... Well, you said you wanted Brooks and Alvarado as your starting center. Well, no, I want him to start defensive mid, because Kyle yeah. Beckerman's gone. What about Will Trapp? I'm kidding. Well, I mean, in between. Yeah, yeah, the time in between. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I can see either one starting. They're both good enough to start. All right, now we have a question from SoccerGirl543. Uh <laughs> She says, who do you think should be the starting U.S. striker going into qualifying? Um, I think this one's pretty clear for me. Just Dempsey and Johansson. There's no one that even comes you close. Yeah, Josie comes close. No. Okay. <laughs> okay. I think Johansson should be the starter, but devil's advocate here. Josie has better numbers with the national team, and he has better okay. numbers He had number, better numbers in the air to Vasey. So, why? Well. Why do you think that? Because I think Johansson fits the whole... I mean, he's a more dynamic striker, and he fits the whole the whole theme that Jurgen's been trying to accomplish for the U.S. national team ever since he took the reins. What we... I, I mean, I don't... I want a player who can, like, facilitate as well as score and is really good with the ball at his feet, so... 
I mean, I mean, Josie's good at the ball with his feet, but I mean, I think Johansson's better. Okay, but what about hold up play? <laughs> I mean, I don't know. We'll see. But if Johansson and Dempsey are playing like they did against, I mean, obviously they won't play exactly like they did against Cuba. But I, I, like I said, I think Josie would be good coming off the bench. As I think player. right now Dempsey and Johansson, maybe in 2017, Johansson and Rubin. Johansson and Rubin. Yeah, Ruby and Rubin. In 2018, ah, I feel like Dempsey could still be, still be good. I think he'll be a substitute. Yeah, like maybe. closer. Or maybe he could like drop back further. Yeah, maybe. And then where does Bradley go? I don't know. I mean, just off the bench as an attacking man. But yeah. Bradley doesn't get subbed off, so. I mean, you could. Why not off the bench as a striker? Because well, okay. So, so you're saying that you don't want Josie now? No, I was playing devil's advocate. I said that. I want Johansson to be the starter. You want Johansson to be the starter. And then Josie can be our fourth striker or whatever. Okay. I mean, Rubio Rubin is a great player. Yeah. But he will be a great player. All right, thanks for the question, guys. As Saho said, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to email us. Now it is time for TBD. Yeah, that's what it's called in our script. I say this every time, but we really need to figure out a name for this game. All right. I'll explain the rules. Oh, yeah, that's a good idea. All right, so uh, during the podcast, uh, one of us picks a player for the other person, and the the person who's getting the player doesn't know who it is ahead of time, so they're just hearing it on the spot. And they have to answer three questions about that player. One, what do you think of their game? Two, what do you rate them in their national pool? And three, do you think they'll be in the 2018 World Cup roster? So, all right, my player, let's go south of the border to Mexico, Oribe Peralta, El Cepillo. Ah, uh, okay. What do, what do I think of his game? Well, I think Aribe Peralta is is very good at scoring goals. I mean, uh, he, he's a great striker. Just in terms of finishing ability, I think he's probably the best striker for the Mexican national team. Would you agree with that? Just in terms of finishing? Chicharito. Oh, yeah, yeah, Chicharito. Yeah, I, I, I just forgot about Chicharito since he's not on the game. I would say Peralta is much more consistent. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then, where do I rate him in the national team pool? Well, I, I think that, I think that if Chicharito was in the Gold Cup squad, he'd, he'd be starting. So, I would rate him, but I, but he would be in the roster nonetheless, so I think I'd rate him pretty highly among, among the forwards. Um, and then, the last question is, do you think he'll be in the 2018 World Cup squad? So, he's 31 right now, right? Yeah, he is 31. He's 31, and there is some young talent like Raul Jimenez, who plays for Atletico Madrid. So, I, I don't think. Cuba Torres, Houston Dynamo. Yeah. I mean, they already have Vela, Dos Santos, and Chicharito, who should all be there. Yeah, I, I, I think he's a good striker for them now, but I do not think that he will be in the 2018 World Cup squad. I think that's one of the only times we've said that. Yeah. Maybe the only time. Well, yeah, with what? Tommy Thompson and... And Will Trapp. Yeah. And uh, no, and John Stones. Yeah, we all said they'd be on the World Cup. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that concludes the episode. Like I said before, we have an email, soccerbrotherspodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we, both have, uh, we both have Twitters, at ASR underscore Saho for me, at Big Time Brownie for my brother. We have, a, we have a Soccer Brothers Podcast Twitter, which is at Soccer Bros Pod. Um, We're having some trouble with iTunes still. Um, so SoundCloud is the place to listen to us right now. Um... But, you know, thank you for all your support, and don't forget to send in some questions. Yeah, and 
once we resolve all these iTunes issues, you can subscribe, rate. Well, you can still subscribe and rate. Yeah. But. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, I don't know if you, you'll be on iTunes if we're, you know, if they're not, <laughs> podcasts aren't coming up, so. All right. All right. Well, we'll see you guys later. Yep. See you guys later.